Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy, and I just returned from a nice trip to Bali where I was able to reconnect with a bunch of close friends and was able to do some interviews and some business and all sorts of other good stuff uh, and also get out for some good surf and a bunch of bunch of fun activities. So I'm a little jet lagged in recording this. Just got back yesterday to home base, uh, but I'm sharing out an interview for today's episode that I did with a patient of mine, Claude Kondo who's a real estate investor and pharmacist, and also his co-host, Jeff Stark, on their show, the, Re the RX Investor Podcast. In this interview, we cover some simple and natural strategies to help you change your mindset around health and really establish simple routines to improve your performance. You know, lack of time is really the number one excuse people use for not improving their health, for justifying their lack of action, especially busy professionals. But you got to realize that our health and wellness are more important than any monetary success or business. And that this is really the most critical thing you can do with your time. So I encourage you to tune into this episode to learn the best ways to start your journey. We cover topics like how to optimize your sleep, stress management strategies, time efficient ways to improve your health, even with a busy schedule, natural ways to deal with chronic disease. We talk about proper eating habits and the best ways to harness the benefits of fasting, uh, and a whole bunch of things, all sorts of different remedies for behavioral disabilities and kids and just natural and holistic ways to boost uh, hormone balance and improve your testosterone for men. So it, it really is quite a wide ranging conversation we had. I really enjoyed jamming with these guys. I encourage you to check out their podcast, The RX Investor, for other shows they do on uh, real estate and all sorts of other stuff they talk about. Uh, without further ado, enjoy today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the RX Investor Podcast. We are excited that you're here. Welcome back. If you've listened to us before, if this is your first time, we are we're stoked that you're here. And uh, we've got a special episode today. Uh, our guest today is Ryan Kennedy, somebody who uh, has worked with Claude previously. And I think a lot of our audience, Claude, um, you know, come from a healthcare background. We we talk to a lot of pharmacists, doctors, dentists, nurses, uh, and people in the healthcare space. But I think uh, we're I can't think we're kind of switching gears a little bit today. So, Claude, at the start, actually, I just want to give you a moment to tell the audience a little bit about how you and Ryan have worked together. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jeff. Welcome, Ryan. We can't wait to go a little bit deeper. So I met Ryan. Um, actually, I was in a mastermind in Palm Springs, California. So you came to speak to a couple guys, were like 15 or 20 guys. And when I, you know, listened to your presentations and your morning routine, your 15-minute exercise, your mindset, I was like, man, I need to, I need to hire Ryan as my health coach. So we start that journey. And you know, my I, when when I first actually met Ryan, I was doing CrossFit. So my back was messed up, my leg was messed up. And then today I'm running, I'm good. So it's just a testament to his, you know, his background, his experience, his, his you know, what, what you've been teaching me and my wife as well. We're, we're not the best student, I can tell you, <laughs> being transparent. You know, Ryan was telling us, hey, stop this. We're like, no, it doesn't make sense. And then three months later, we're like, well, Ryan, you are right, you know, so I want to, let Ryan introduce himself to the audience and just tell us your your background and who you are so that we can set up 
the right foundation and then we can go from there. Appreciate the kind words, fellas. I'm stoked to be here. And it's been awesome working with you and, and your wife, Claude. Uh, my background, so I got started, uh, became very interested in health and wellness at an early age, really from a pain to purpose journey. Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer back in 20, 2008, and then she unfortunately passed two years later in 2010, in large part due to the misinformation she received You know, from the healthcare provider she was working with, the oncologist telling her, what you eat doesn't matter. There's no natural options. Just do the chemotherapy and hope for the best. And even more so from the misinformation she received for decades leading up to that point with terrible government food guide pyramid recommendations, making all these claims in the mainstream media that we now look back on, you know, 20 some years later and realize, can't believe we're telling people this stuff. It's horrendous, you know, information to be given out to the public. And so that really got me thinking as a young guy. I was like, well, man, I don't want to die young. This was a very, very hard thing that, you know, it was very tragic for my family. And, you know, I really kind of reflected on how health, without your health, you don't have anything. Like when my mom was sick, she wasn't worried about, you know, investing or growing a business or money or any of these things. She was just wanting to get well. And there's a great saying and a great proverb that goes up, you know, someone with their health has a thousand wishes. Someone without it has just one. Like without your health, nothing else really matters in life. So I started on the path of more on the fitness, physical therapy side. I studied kinesiology in my undergrad and I was working in physical therapy clinics. And I was like, this is awesome. I love the physical stuff, but if you're not dialing in your nutrition, your sleep, supplementation, stress management, mindset, environment, all these other variables, the physical aspects of you know fitness and movement is only gonna take you so far. And so that's when I went back to post-grad school I studied naturopathic and functional medicine uh, and clinical nutrition. Uh, and that brings me where I am today, where I run a full-time practice. I consult with patients from all across the globe, all walks of life, awesome dudes like Claude and you know many of his friends and other people in these mastermind circles. Uh, and I'm able to help people you know, really dial in their lifestyle, their nutrition, their daily habits and routines, their day-to-day -day inputs that really make a massive difference and just how you feel, how you show up in the world, your energy, your vitality, your quality of life. Man, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing about your background and what kind of put you on this path. Your, your term, pain to purpose, is something that I've been trying to put my finger on. I think that term is incredible, though. Um, I think... Me, I'm thinking about myself, but I'm think I'm also thinking about other people in my family, friends, uh, other colleagues that they start on this journey. I've called it my journey towards health, and there's a starting point for everybody. So mm -hmm. again, thank you for sharing yours. Uh, I had my own, I guess I had my own uh, inception uh, and reason why I started on my own journey towards health, but. Um, uh, don't want to go into too much detail about that, but what, what is it do you think, or is there like a common thing or, uh, maybe something that you see more often than not, uh, that causes people to start on their journey towards health, or as you put it, that, that journey of pain to purpose, like what, what, what are some common things that you see that kind of push people in that direction? Yeah, there's a lot of different, you know, different things that can cause people to wake up and realize, you know, this is a priority in my life. And for some folks, maybe it is a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a personal health scare where you yourself have an issue or a challenge or 
you know, a diagnosis that really is a wake up call to get your health in line and to really prioritize these daily habits that are going to move the needle. Uh, maybe it's just that you're tired of feeling sick and tired. Dude, there's a lot of people out there that just don't yeah. feel well day to day. They have depression and anxiety and fatigue and, you know, headaches and brain fog and their sleep is a mess and their, you know, sex drive is gone. And it really makes it hard to have an epic life if you feel like trash, dude. So like, that's the big premise here is like, we want to feel good day to day. And that impacts how we mm. show up in our businesses, how we show up for our families, the example we set for our communities and our kids and, you know, the people that look up to us and look at, look for us as an example. So I think that's really the main three probably is either someone you love or care about has an issue with their health. You have an issue with your health, or you just want to feel better and optimize your life. And you're like, all right, let's get after it. Great. Great. So my coming back to Jeff's question, my one was like, you know, I want to live 120 years, right? How do I take care mm -hmm. of my body now? I was, mm -hmm. I was so stressed. We have multiple businesses. I'm like, I can't sleep well. I was sleeping four to five hours. And, and I thought that was my lifestyle. I thought like, well, maybe I only need six hours. And then when I met Ryan, I was like, no, stop lying to yourself. You need eight hours at least, right? So so just speak to us about most of our audience are business owners or healthcare professional where the amount of stress is really, really high. Like, how do you, where do you start? Even sometimes you don't know what you're doing, right? Sometimes you'll be like, this is my, my lifestyle. This is my normal, how I'm supposed to live, right? Uh, how yeah. do you, how do you get into that? How do you know that, hey, this is not the best way to move forward? Yeah, well, first, I think awareness is important. Understanding sleep is the bedrock of your health. Like, if you don't have your sleep dialed in, I don't care how perfect your nutrition is, how great of exercise program you're doing, how many supplements you're taking, you are going to suffer. Like you will have a shorter lifespan, you will have less optimal performance and your health will be down compared to if you're sleeping enough. So that's just a plain fact. Sleep is freaking sacred. So the one thing I always tell people who are hard charging entrepreneurs who are like, yeah, I got all these things going on, Ryan. And you know, I get to bed late, I wake up early. I'm only sleeping five, five and a half hours. It's like, first of all, you're going to perform a hell of a lot better during the day if you get a little more rest and you're, you know, you're not sleep deprived. Your productivity is going to improve. Your cognitive function is going to increase. You're going to get more shit done in your business in less time if you're taking care of your sleep. So it's an easy way to justify the extra time you spend in bed. By being sleep deprived, yeah, you might work more hours, but it's going to be less quality output. So you're not going to get as much done. And as entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter how many hours we're clocking in. It matters about the output, the impact that we're making and the growth that we're seeing in our in our business, which has to do with quality of work, not just quantity. So that's a big distinction I think most people need to understand. The second component to your question is the stress management piece. And this is a big one, dude, because stress is a killer. Stress kills people, man. It's terrible for us, yet it's sometimes hard to keep in check. It's hard to keep in check. So there's a number of different strategies I find really helpful. And when I'm working with someone, a patient in my practice, I really identify what they're, you know, what things we could bring in initially, and then we could always build upon that. So one thing I always suggest people start with is a journaling practice, especially at night. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, our minds are always going with new ideas. We got, you know, we're thinking about this. We got to call this person tomorrow. We got to, you know, set up uh, this thing on this new project. 
And that keeps our minds going, which impacts our ability to fall asleep and impacts our sleep quality and impacts our stress levels. So write that shit down at night. Have a big brain dump where you just write down in your journal stuff that you want out of your head, put it on paper. So you're not, you know, thinking you're not kind of uh, ruminating on these thoughts as you're trying to fall asleep. And while you're there on your journal, write down some gratitude, man. Life is good. Write down and express all the things we have to be grateful for, not just the things you have to stress. You know, one of the things, uh, Claude and, and Jeff, is many of us wake up in this state of reactivity. Like, man, I got all this shit I have to do. I got to, you know, take care of my kids and get them to school. I got to, you know, jump into business. I got to get to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we're caught, you know, we're immediately in this state of like stress and we're dreading the day. Like, damn it, I got so much stuff on my plate. This sucks. I really challenge people to shift that perspective and shift that perspective. So as soon as you open the eye, your eyes in the morning, you say thanks for being alive, being able to live and love another day, because the truth is tomorrow's never promised for any of us. And if I were to offer you $100 million, but you don't get to wake up tomorrow, you wouldn't take that deal. You wouldn't sacrifice being able to wake up for $100 million. So every day you wake up, it's like you just hit the freaking lottery, man. You're, you get to live and love another day. That's the most valuable thing each and every one of us have. And all these problems are opportunities. They're gifts. And to work is a gift. And so I really encourage people to shift that frame because that automatically is going to change the way that you tackle problems. We all have problems. I have problems. You guys have problems. Everyone listening to this, we got problems. It's part of the human experience, dude. It's part of the journey. But if you shift your perspective of seeing it as opportunities, and really seeing like all these challenges, I'm stoked beyond belief to get after it today. So I'm not going to be all down and upset and stressed about this. I'm going to do everything I can, perform at my best, serve the best I can. And whatever happens, happens. But I'm alive and well. My lungs are breathing. My heart is beating. That's all any of us could really ask for. So I love gratitude. Love journaling. Meditation's great. I would say the number one thing for people that helps reduce stress is exercise. It's a physical outlet that can help to decrease our mental and emotional stress. And so you got to get some movement in. And that could be lifting weights. It's probably the best thing people can do. It's doing some type of resistance training. Could be any type of cardio. I find boxing and any type of MMA type training is fantastic as a stress reliever because you're literally just leaving that shit in the bag and putting it out there. And I love, love boxing. Uh, and then anything you enjoy, you know, for me, it's super stress relieving to get out surfing every morning, to go out on my mountain bike and hit the trails, to get out into nature, go for a hike, to get out my paddleboard and go for some nice moving meditation uh, out on the water where kind of away from the city and all the noise and all the, you know, hustle bustle and all that energy. So leave it behind, get out in the ocean, man. Uh, so those are some things that really work for me. And I think, you know, there's probably 45 other things I could rattle off, you know, but it's important to just start somewhere. Start with one or two that resonate with you. Maybe you do a five-minute meditation. Maybe do a little gratitude journaling. And then you start to build on that. And you start to also just realize that stress is all in your own head. It's all within your control. I guarantee you there's more. There's people out there with more on their plate than you that may not be as stressed as you. And there's people with less on their plate than you that might be more stressed than you. So you got to understand it's an internal game. And the way you win that battle is with adopting some of these mindfulness practices and some of these habits and routines that really help you to get that stillness, to find that inner peace, which is the most valuable asset and the, really the most valuable skill any of us could have is control over our mind. Man, this is all amazing advice. 
uh, I want to go, I want to go back to sleep for a minute because that was the first thing that you mentioned, um, as you know, the bedrock or the foundation for good health. So oh, yeah. if we can, let's just sit there for another minute or two. What are, and my question is, what are a couple of the things that you see most people doing that are hurting them in that area? Maybe two or three things that you see that are really common. And then what are the two or three things that you advise people on to optimize that most foundational, important part of their health? First thing people need to understand is good sleep starts in the morning. You can't like do all the wrong shit during the day and then get to bed at night and expect to just sleep like a champ. It doesn't work like that, dude. So you've got to set yourself up for success. Just like anything in life, you got to lay the groundwork during the day so that you prepare your body and you prime your mind and the neurochemicals involved with sleep to crush it once you do get to bed. So first thing in the morning, most people, here's where they go wrong. They open up their phone, they lay in bed, they might snooze the alarm. They don't get anything good out of that. That's horrible for you. And so it's not that you can't look at your phone. Listen, I have a cell phone. I use technology, but you don't want to use it first thing in the morning. So first thing when you wake up, I encourage people to get your ass outside. I don't care if it's cold. I don't care if it's wet. Get outside anytime you have the ability to, because getting natural light into the eyes in the morning, first thing in the morning when you wake up, is going to anchor that circadian rhythm. It's going to help to really upregulate your natural energy systems. It's going to upregulate your mood. It's going to improve your metabolism. You know, morning light is one of the big cues that signals to our body whether to store or burn fat. So this is a, a signal to tell your body, dude, let's wake up. Let's run. Let's jump. Let's get going. We're done hibernating. Let's get after it. And so that's a big one. And no sunglasses. You want to be outside, you know, because window glass blocks a lot of these beneficial light spectrums and, and reduces the intensity of the light. So if you can be on a, uh, in your yard, balcony, patio, whatever, you want to be outside with no sunglasses for at least five minutes. And then the other thing that a lot of people do during the day is they're inside in front of screens all freaking day. And this leaves you with like this tired and wired sensation at night where you're fatigued. You feel like shit. You're like, dude, I'm beat but you don't fall asleep because your brain is kind of wired up. And so you want to just try and mimic what we would do ancestrally. So one of the big overarching concepts, Jeff, with sleep, but with health in general is humans are suffering right now because we've been so domesticated. We've been so removed from the natural environment that enables us to thrive. And mm -hmm. so we're put in these cubicles in front of, in these buildings under artificial junk lights in front of screens. It's not the way to live, dude. And I use a computer. I, I stay inside some of the day, but the more you can get outside, get natural light, move around, get your bare feet on the earth, get some grounding. All these things are going to massively improve your sleep later that night and your energy throughout the day. And just tons of things, dude, tons of benefits. And this doesn't cost you anything. The sun is free. It's a beautiful thing. You don't have to buy any supplements. You don't have to buy any gadgets or gear. You could just go outside. And so uh, those are a few things that I think where people go wrong and things that really move the needle. And then as far as the evening hours, you really want to try and min minimize your use of technology right leading up to bed. So don't be on your phone scrolling on Instagram, you know, looking at articles, watching, watching, you know, very triggering videos about politics and all that bullshit. Don't do that right before bed. Like, what are you thinking? Put that shit away. Read a nice book. Hang out with your partner. Have some intimate time. You know, play with play with your kids. And you know, maybe they're asleep by the time you go to sleep. But there's a lot of things you could do that don't involve. Uh, all these technologies and I'm dude 
I like a good movie just as much as the next guy. I'll get down on some Netflix with my partner and watch a little HBO from time to time. So it's not that that's not okay. I just won't do it within minutes leading up to bed. And if I am doing it in the evening, I'll rock some uh, blue light blocking glasses. These are these orange lens glasses that have become more popular in some of these you know, biohacking circles because they help to mitigate some of the blue light spectrum that's emitted from these devices that suppresses your melatonin production. And melatonin, most people probably realize, is our main, major sleep hormone. It's a main neurotransmitter, you know, main chemical in our brain that helps facilitate sleep onset and deep sleep throughout the night. <clears throat> and by being exposed to these blue, these artificial lights that are high in blue spectrum, is that it's suppressing your melatonin. So you could wear, you know, some funky looking orange glasses uh, and have people make fun of you because you look like, you know, weirdo. But you know what? You're going to sleep better than they will. Perfect. Perfect. So um, we should have a second episode, just, just, just saying. But let's go back to, to, to that question of and how, do you, how do you manage your, your sleep and your stress? Um, you are giving such you know, easy stuff like you know, journaling you know, at night and so that you can dump all those um, ideas to a paper and then so you can be at peace and sleep at peace. Uh, for someone that it's, we don't have enough time, right? Where, where do you start? Like if I'm a busy healthcare professional, right? Um, I have kids, I have to drop off the kid, I have to work eight hours. I'm like, well, I'm a nurse. I usually run up and down to different hospitals floors. So I don't really need to f- do physical exercise. What do you tell someone like that? Yeah, I t- this is this is a great question, Claude, because the number one excuse people have for not taking care of their health is I don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. We're all freaking busy. And you're right. You got, yeah. you know, full-time work, family, kids, all these obligations. Listen, dude, I get it. But that's a simply just a lie. We all have time. You just aren't prioritizing it. And I guarantee those same people that say, I don't have time to exercise, man. I don't have time to journal. I don't have time to meditate. Those same very people are spending hours a week on social media, hours a week watching Netflix, hours a week mindlessly scrolling the internet. They are, they have time. They're just not prioritizing it towards their health, towards their wellness, towards the things that really matter, towards the things that are really important. And so what I would encourage people is if you're in that situation, you know, I just analyze your life. You're like, where am I wasting time? And these things don't take a long time, Claude. You you said something at the very beginning of this interview about 15 minute workouts. You don't have to train at the gym for two hours. You could do a 10 or 15 minute workout at home and get a tremendous amount of benefits. Same thing with the journaling at night. You don't have to journal for freaking 45 minutes, dude. You could just write down a few things. It could take you four or five minutes, simple as that. So a lot of these things, one can be very time efficient. Two, they can be stacked together. So you can do your workout while you're, let's say, you know, listening to a podcast like this and learning about your industry and learning about business uh, while you're outside in the sun, getting all these benefits I'm talking about while you're barefoot in your backyard, getting your grounding in. So you can stack these things together to where that same 15 minutes, you're checking all these things off the, off the list of all these good benefits. And similarly, you know, I'm a big proponent of moving throughout the day. You know, it doesn't mean you have to just like skip your work. If you're already on phone calls, you're already talking to people at, you know, for meetings, Walk and talk. I have a you know standing work desk uh, that's a walking workstation where I put a little flat treadmill underneath my standing work desk and I'm able to walk. 
as I take console calls, as I answer emails, as I go through a lot of my work flow so that I'm keeping my body in motion, doing the same exact thing I would do it seated on my butt in front of, you know, a, at a desk. So that's, that's, I think, a misconception people have is that it's going to be really hard. It's going to take a ton of time. And I just don't have the bandwidth for it. And I challenge people to reframe that perspective and that it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's not going to be that hard. You know, if you go into that with that mindset, it probably will be. But if you go into the mindset like, dude, I got this. This is going to be chill. I'm going to feel so good. I'm going to be looking all sexy for summer. I cannot wait to get on my health routines. Guarantee you, dude, it's going to be so much easier. And on the last part of it is like, really think about what matters in your life. Like, what's more important to you? Is it more important to you to, you know, watch TV shows and, you know, see what other people are doing on, on Facebook and Instagram and, and keep up with all these political things you can't even control anyways and watch the news and all this, you know, doom and gloom type bullshit? Or is it more important to you to feel amazing, to set a good example for your family and for your friends and for your peers? Because you're someone that has the discipline and commitment to take care of yourself, to do the hard shit, to show up in a whole new way and to be there in all, you know, as your full potential for the people you love. That, that's a lot more important, I think. So once you kind of yeah. reframe that perspective, it's like, all right, I'm in it to win it now, dude. I'm ready. Wow. Wow. That's so good. And I've got a question for you about chronic illness. I feel like more and more over the past few years, you hear this term thrown out a lot. And it's like, it's a very general, vague term, but it seems like something that our culture and uh, people just in, in this day and in this time really struggle with, and it's becoming more and more prevalent. My suspicion is that the American diet has, is a huge part of, of, uh, of chronic illness. Uh, but what are some things that, that you advise people on if they come to you with that, that general term, well, I've got chronic fatigue, chronic illness, chronic pain, where do you, where do you start to advise somebody if, if they're dealing with something like that? So it's highly dependent on the person in their situation, but the basic premise, like I mentioned earlier, is just getting people into an environment that enables them to thrive. So spending less time indoors, getting some more sensible sun exposure, moving your body, whatever that looks like, drinking more water, getting good sleep, allocating time for these things is a good place to start for literally everyone. Even if you don't have a chronic illness, but especially if you're struggling with either, I would, I would consider, so I would classify chronic illness more as disease, you know, whether that be the top three killers, cancer, heart disease, and complications of diabetes, whether that be neurological issues, autoimmune conditions, these are all super prevalent and growing year by year. And as amazing as modern medicine is for acute infectious disease, for trauma uh, incidences, modern medicine is freaking amazing. Like I'm very happy with the technologies and the, you know, the access I have, if something, God forbid happens, I need to go to hospital because I got in, you know, an accident or I hurt myself. It's great. Like it's state of the art, top of the top of the world in that when it comes to chronic disease, it's simply failing. Like it is not helping people to any large degree to overcome chronic disease. And it's also all about disease management. There's not a lot that's really incentivized when it comes to actually getting to the root cause and resolving the problem altogether. So now you don't have this issue. We're not trying to suppress your symptoms. We're trying to get your body rebalanced so that you're ready to crush it and don't need anything 
to, to, you don't need to take any medications every day. You don't need to come back and see us all the time. So <clears throat> it's kind of a different paradigm from the lens that I look through with like natural and functional medicine. It's like, how can we resolve this? And sometimes you can't for certain conditions, you know, genetic disorders and certain things. It's like, yeah, it's great to have medications. It's great to have these resources. But I always come back whenever I'm working with someone and really identify what they're doing and what their lifestyle looks like and what we can integrate into that that's not going to overthrow their lifestyle. That's going to, you know, be time efficient. That's going to be sustainable. That's going to be, you know, not going to overwhelm them and put them into this like spot where they're like, dude, I can't do all this. We start small. And that's the biggest thing for anyone who's looking to make a change. It's like, dude, most people can't just 180 their whole life. And they can't go from sitting on their ass all the time and not sleeping and eating super poor and eating fast food to just like the complete opposite, to yeah. training every day, to eating like a saint, to, you know, sleeping like a champ. Like you, it's hard, man. It's hard shit. It can be. So, so start with just a few simple things, a few simple things. And that could just be drink more water. And I will say too, Jeff, like, even though I think the food system and all the mess that is the industrial food system in the US, I've seen many patients I've worked with get incredible results and incredible progress without even changing their food. You know, first month, we might not even put them on any type of nutrition plan or any type of protocols there. All I might have them do is stop eating late at night, eat an earlier dinner, move in the morning and drink more water. And like hmm. those simple shifts where it's like, you could eat whatever you want, just have an early dinner at like five, five thirty. no late night snacking anymore. You know, drink some water in the morning, go for a walk outside in the sunshine, simple things like that. I've had people lose five, 10 pounds in the first month and it's not that hard for them. And then as we progress, we'll add layers to that. And ultimately we will improve their diet. We will improve their nutrition, but that's one of the hardest levers to pull for people. Like I could usually get people to exercise and people to, you know, do a lot of these other things on the get-go to build some momentum to start feeling better, to start seeing some initial progress, seeing some results, and then they're inspired and then they're motivated and then they're ready to say, okay, now I am willing to cut out the desserts every night. Now I am willing to reduce my consumption of some of these things that would have been really hard day one. But now that I've gotten you know, to day 30, day 40, day 50, and I'm feeling like better than I've ever felt my whole life, I think there's something to this guy, Ryan. He might know a thing or two of what he's talking about. I'm gonna give it a try and go for it. And uh, dude, that's the way to do it. It's just slow, slow and steady and in, in, in like kind of layering it in incrementally so that it doesn't feel like you're just throwing 40 things at someone day one. Cause that's just hard, man. That's too, too much for most people that already have busy lives and a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Just, just to add on to what you said previously as well, Ryan, that's, you know, we used to tend to go when we're about to sleep, you go on your YouTube on, on right. social media, you look at all those stuff and then you get your, your your brain get even excited, right? Now I was reading a book, The Gap and Gain, which I recommend everyone to read. Great you book. think that, yeah, yeah. That hour before bed, that's your most important hour where you can plan, you can review your goal, you can journal, uh, like mm. Rano was saying. So that's really I wanted just to, to add that one. And then coming back to what you said about eating, you know, early, 5:30, uh, 6. Uh, can you explain, because we have pharmacists that are scientific, we have doctors, we have nurses, like, can you explain why it's so important to do a early dinner than, than late uh, dinner? Uh, yeah, our, our body functions on this biological clock called our circadian rhythm. So this, you know, 24 hour clock that governs our sleep and wake cycles. And it really dictates, you know, 
that we are primed for food during the earlier parts of the day. We have better insulin sensitivity. We have better, um, <clears throat> so better blood sugar control. We have an increased production of digestive enzymes and stomach acid. We have the trillions of bacteria in our microbiome are primed for food during the day. As it gets later, these critical functions related to digestion and fat storage and how we're going to tolerate our meals really decrease. And so the earlier you could eat dinner, the better, because even if you just look at it from just a layman's perspective, mm. food is energy. This is fuel for our bodies. So why would you ingest a ton of fuel right before your body has almost no energy demands? You're going to be freaking sleeping, dude. Like you're going to be chilling on the couch and you're going to go to bed. It's literally the least energy demanding state we're in. So why would you ingest all this fuel right before then? Opposed to people who fast all day, you know, he, let me back up a second. Here's what most people do with their fasting. They skip breakfast entirely, which the first half of the day is when we're moving and grooving. We're working on business. We're exercising. We're getting after it. This is when our body has a high demand for nutrients. This is when we need the fuel. And then they eat their first meal at like 1 or 2 p.m. And then they end up eating dinner like 8 or 9 o'clock. And mm -hmm. this is just totally backwards. And it sets the stage for you to store fat through the, throughout the night because you just ingested a bunch of fuel when your body has very little fuel demands. Mm -hmm. When we flip the script and we eat an earlier dinner at, let's say, 5 or 6 p.m., and then you have a good four hours, four, even ideally five hours between your last meal and going to sleep. Well, now you're going to sleep on an empty stomach. So your body's not diverting all this energy towards digestion. And it could utilize that energy towards recovery, rejuvenation, detoxification, all these critical processes that take place while we sleep. Additionally, now you're going to put your body into a state where it could tap into stored body fat as overnight fuel because you're not going to sleep in this huge caloric surplus. So there's a lot of benefits from a body composition standpoint. It improves sleep quality. If you really want to harness the benefits of fasting, like autophagy, cellular cleanup, all these things that people fast for, you know, repairing the gut and helping to heal the digestive system, helping to like knock out, you know, different dysfunctional cells. We get most of those benefits at night while we're resting and recovering while we're asleep. So you want that fast to be more so catered during the night. And then when you wake up, I'm not a type of person that's like, eat your Wheaties first thing upon waking, dude. Uh, you shouldn't eat Wheaties anyways, but eat when you get hungry, dude. Like when you start to feel your appetite coming on and you're like, all right, I feel hungry at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., whatever time that is, eat. Don't be like, I got an intermittent fast, so I'm going to like muscle through this and pound more coffee and run on cortisol and caffeine all day. This is not good for your stress hormones. It's not good for your thyroid. And over time, it can lead to issues. It's okay to do a couple days a week. When it comes to meal timing, I'm a big proponent of really two main concepts. One is having this compressed eating window where you're not eating the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And I like that compressed eating window to be pushed forward, to be more front loaded. The second concept that I'm a big proponent of, in addition to the compressed eating window, is variation. Not having the same fasting window seven days a week, 365, but having some days where maybe you do fast till lunch, having one day a week where maybe you do a 24-hour fast, you know, dinner to dinner, having four or five days a week where you kind of have a more of a regular routine, maybe you eat at 9 or 10 a.m., and then you eat your last meal at 5 or 6 p.m., that's a great kind of eating window for most people. This is really going to bring the most benefits to this concept of intermittent fasting, which is a very powerful tool when used correctly. And I think a lot of people out there are not using it quite optimally. And anytime you're reducing the time window you're eating is going to be a win 
So even if it is pushed late at night, which I'm not a fan of, it's better than eating a big ass breakfast that, you know, Starbucks drive through and then also eating a late night dinner. So at least you're, you at least you're skipping the, the breakfast part. But if you really want to optimize this, you want progressed eating window that's, you know, you're getting some calories within two to three hours after you wake up, uh, could be pushed a little further back depending on the person. <clears throat> and then you're really focusing. The main focus for people needs to be eat an early dinner. And some people are going to say, oh, Ryan, this isn't going to work for my schedule, dude. Like, I don't even finish working until 6 or 7 p.m. Then I get home, then I got to cook, then I got to, you know, eat. And I, by that time, it's 8, 30, 9 p.m. Well, I challenge those people to do a couple things. One, when you're not working, you could still eat an early dinner. So at least we can get two or three days a week on the books. Secondly, I eat dinner early, fellas. You know, anyone listening to this, I'm an active guy. I'm very metabolically active. I train hard. I surf. I do all these things outside. I eat dinner at like 3.30, dude. And most people hear that and they're just like, is that even dinner? That sounds like lunch. But I'm usually done eating dinner by 4 or 4.30 p.m., sometimes 5. And I feel amazing. I go to bed at 9 or 9.30 with an empty stomach. I feel totally rested and rejuvenated when I wake up the next morning. And it is in my opinion, the way humans are designed to function with our digestive system. It's not just my opinion. There's actually really good research studies that have taken two test groups. And I could send you guys a link to this uh, after yeah, our, the interview. Yeah. And yeah. they give the groups the same number of calories, the same meal composition, same amount of protein, fats, and carbs. One group, they say, hey, you got to eat earlier. The other group, they say, hey, you got to you can eat later. And they know all these differences in their metabolic health, in their weight gain, in their cravings, in their propensity to want more food versus to be satisfied. And there's tremendous, tremendous differences, even though they have the same number of calories, the same meal composition, it's just wow. the timing of the food makes a difference. And so I've been preaching these early dinners for years, years and years and years. And I'm trying to get that on, you know, I'm trying to make it cool again, guys, to eat dinner early. None of these like, hey, let's go out to dinner, you know, date night, 8 p.m. It's like, no, you go at 4 p.m. I'll tell you what, guys, you'll never have to make a reservation again. The restaurant is freaking <laughs> empty. It's great. And you get whatever table you want. You get happy hour specials. Eating early is the shit. And There's a hell pack I haven't heard before. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Then you could go. Uh, trust me. I mean, I, I never have to wait in line when I go out to dinner with, with my partner, Ashley. And so uh, that's another, another added benefit for you. Super cool. Um, I would say our audience is probably pretty close to evenly split between men and women. Uh, but they're all hard charging, either healthcare professionals or professional investors. You know, we, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of our audience is in, in, in real estate in, from one degree to another. Um, so kind of considering that 50, 50 split between men and women, like what are some, what are like one or two basic um, I guess like health principles or things that you, uh, advise women on and that you advise men on. So first thing that would apply to both men and women is I advise people to work with an expert. And that's not just cause I'm in this field. You don't have to work with me, but let's say you're a business owner, you're an investor. Are you just going to stumble through, try to figure all this stuff out on your own? No, you buy books, you go to 10 conferences and masterminds, you hire coaches, you hire people that are going to help accelerate your learning curve. Hmm. Yet for some reason, even though I think we can all agree, our health and our wellness is more important than money and business at the end of the day, 
we're like, yeah, yeah, let me just figure all this stuff out by myself. And let me, you know, even though I eat like every day and like, this is really important for how I feel and how I perform my business, I'll figure this part out myself, but you know, I'll go hire consultants and, and business coaches for this aspect. It's like, no, you should hire people that are going to help accelerate your learning curve in your health and wellness. And so I think the best investment people can make is hiring a health practitioner or a health coach, hiring personal trainers, nutritionists, people that are going to help hold you accountable, guide you in these arenas and accelerate your results and your ability to not have to go and read. Because similar to business, guys, there's a lot of conflicting information, especially in health. And I have people come to me for help that are like, well, I read this on this blog and I saw this on Instagram and I heard this on this podcast and I, I read this in this book and I don't know what to do, Ryan. It's like, no shit, I wouldn't know what to do either. That's a lot of different opinions, you know? So really working with someone that's mm -hmm. skilled at what they do can help to give you the guidance and expertise and also hold you accountable, I think is extraordinarily valuable for anyone to invest in their health. And there's different levels too, but I think that's a great starting place. And then number two, I would suggest for everyone is run some lab testing. It's really hard yeah. to know what you need if you don't get an inside look of what's under the hood. You know, we'll run diagnostics in like our cars and shit, but you're not going to check, you know, your own body. So run some blood tests. I have some panels I could send you guys to put in the show notes. I work with a company called Ulta, Ulta Lab Test that uh, you can get blood work anywhere in the country. It's, uh, you know, if you use my link, you get like 20% off. They're already crazy discounted prices. You can get a very comprehensive blood work that goes well and beyond just your basic panel a physician might order like you're basically a physician will order a complete blood count and a metabolic profile, you know, with chemistry and lipids. And those things are okay to look at, but they rarely give you an inside look. So I encourage people to also run your hormones for guys. You need to see where your DHEA and your testosterone, your free testosterone are at you for women. you want to look at your progesterone, your estradiol. You're, you really want to see what's going on with your hormones, run a thyroid panel, because your thyroid is your metabolic thermostat. It's going to really dictate your energy levels throughout the day, your propensity to store fat versus burn, versus burn fat. So if you're having trouble with weight loss, you definitely want to look at your thyroid hormones. Everyone on the face of the earth needs to check their vitamin D3. It's the, one of the most important nutrients in the body. It's cheap and easy to run. And it, you don't know how much to supplement with or if you need supplements without testing your freaking levels. There's no other metric that you can gauge to test how much vitamin D you need and everyone needs a little bit different amounts. Other things that are really helpful to look at, ferritin. This is iron storage in the body. Men oftentimes have iron overload, hemochromatosis. It becomes oxidatively stressful and damaging to their body long-term. Women oftentimes have low ferritin because they menstruate, they lose blood. So they are iron deficient, which impacts their red blood cell, oxygen carrying capacity, and all these other metrics. So I can keep going, These, but, but the labs that I recommend for my patients, and I'll send you guys the links you could put in the notes for any of your listeners, you're looking at like less than $300 total for a very comprehensive panel that measures all this shit. Now, you also want to you know talk with someone that can actually explain what everything means to you and what you should do with the information, but that's a great starting place is to see what's going on with blood work. Uh, other labs I'm a big proponent of are functional medicine labs, uh, one of which is called organic acids test. This is a great lab. It's got like 80 markers that measures any imbalances in your gut microbiome. So any excess bacteria overgrowth, any yeast or fungus, any type of pathogens like clostridium bacteria. It also looks at your mitochondria health. It looks at your neurotransmitters, your serotonin, your dopamine, your stress hormones. Really helpful to see if you maybe you have low dopamine. That's why you're having trouble focused, focusing on your work and staying motivated and getting up and going in the morning. 
Maybe you have low serotonin, which is why you might feel depressed and low during the day. These things are really helpful to look at because then a natural health practitioner can give you protocols and I'll have someone implement lifestyle changes to ramp up their serotonin and bring in different amino acids and herbs that are precursors to help your body produce more serotonin. Same thing goes with dopamine. This organic acid test also measures your vitamins and measures all your amino acids. It's a very comprehensive test. And it's like 300, it's like less than 400 bucks. I want to say it's 350 or 399. Um, and so that test, I don't think is available direct to consumer, but if anyone wants to order one, they could always message me. Um, and I order this for almost every patient I work with because it gives you like all this data that complements the data from the blood work, but is completely different. You know, you're looking at all these nutrient levels, all these imbalances in the body that can help guide your recommendations and help customize what nutrition is going to be best for you. What things we need to do with your supplementation, you know, as far as vitamins, minerals, you might be low in how we could get it through food. But if we can't, or you don't like those foods that contain those, here's what uh, alternative where we could start to integrate a little better living through science. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. I know you're giving us so many, you know, so many gold and, and I love it. Uh, as we are kind of like, when I respect your time as well, I want to ask you a couple quick questions uh, for just to get some values as well, right? Uh, I do still practice as a, as a pharmacist, uh, maybe once a week. Um, I usually get those calls like, hey, I'm, guys, I'm tired. You know, I don't have to do anything. I'm like, have you, have you, have you checked your, your you know, when was the last time you did your lab? When was the last time you did this? Um, do you know your level of testosterone? Like all those questions. But for someone that just wanted to have people, I know they need to know their level of testosterone, but is there anything else that they can do if they are feeling those, you know, fatigue, depressed, you know, less, um, you know, desired for like sexual activities or, or anything? Like, is there anything that they can do holistic way, a natural way to boost their testosterone um, that, that you can recommend? We could do a whole episode on this, Claude. So I got a lot of recommendations. And yes, this is a big one, especially for men, because low testosterone is so widespread for a multitude of reasons we can get into. But the bottom line is, if you have low testosterone, you're going to have lower energy. You're going to have low libido. You're going to struggle to improve your body composition and build muscle, build strength, lose fat. These things become so much harder. Like it's literally an uphill battle if you're dealing with low yeah. testosterone. And so I really specialize in helping men naturally boost their levels through different supplementation, different herbs. You know, there's a couple herbs I really like. Tongadai Lee is a very powerful way to help upregulate your body's own production. Certain nutrients like boron are oftentimes low in people's diet and is really important for testosterone. Uh, I could give you a whole list of options, you know, and ideas. Uh, some guys have low DHEA and DHEA is a precursor to our sex hormones and can also be purchased on Amazon, over the counter. These are not prescription drugs. These are natural supplements that you can incorporate into your regimen to help to increase your body's raw materials it needs to synthesize these sex hormones. So it's very powerful uh, you know, intervention. But even before supplements, I always talk with guys about their lifestyle because you could take every supplement under the sun, but if you're not sleeping well, your testosterone is gonna tank. You really need sleep, good sleep to optimize your hormones. If you're not getting any type of resistance training, you're not doing any weightlifting, any regular exercise, your testosterone is going to suffer. You know, it's very, it's a very powerful way to 
activate the androgen receptors on our muscle tissue to upregulate our hormone production in the body. So lift some heavy shit. It's amazing for you for a multitude of reasons, including testosterone. Other things I think are really high priorities. You got to get out in the sun. You got to get some sensible sun exposure. You know, that I am a sun seeker, dude. And it's for many good reasons. We are solar powered animals. So you got to get some sun if you want to feel your best. You know, your body's like a solar panel. Not only do we synthesize vitamin D3, it helps ramp up nitric oxide, which is important for blood flow and circulation. It's like Viagra for your whole body. It ramps up your melanin production, which is very powerful antioxidant, you know, by the skin. So it helps with your skin health. It also is very important for your hormone synthesis for both men and women. So for women, they oftentimes suffer from low progesterone or low estrogen. And this can cause hair thinning. This can cause a multitude of issues related to their menstrual cycle. It can cause uh, fatigue. It can cause acne. And so by getting out in the sun, you're going to help your body produce more of those. And for men, that's testosterone every day. You, so, so I get out naked in the sun every day. I am a fanatic for this stuff, guys. I think it's the best way you could spend 15 minutes during the middle of the day. And the reason I say sensible sun exposure is because it is not sensible to go out to the beach for five hours on a hot summer day after you've not been in the sun for weeks. You will get burned and burns are bad for your skin, whether it's from the stovetop, whether it's from hot water or whether it's from the sun. You don't want your skin to burn. So go out for as long as you can tolerate. And for some people, that might only be five or 10 minutes. And that's fine. That's really all you need for a lot of these benefits. I talked about the morning sun for anchoring your circadian rhythm and getting your day started. When the sun is at a low solar angle, it's great for that. It's not great for these benefits I'm talking about now. These benefits with hormone synthesis and vitamin D and all these other things I'm, I'm rattling off, you want midday sun when the, sol- mm-hmm. when the sun is at solar noon. And so it is a lot more powerful. And this is typically between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., you know, depending on time of year and where you live and all that. And during this midday sun is where we harness these healing benefits. And for most people, midday sun, especially if it's summertime or you live close to the equator, you don't need any more than like 20 minutes and just take your shirt off. You could read a book. You could be on a phone call. You could go for a walk. You could time your workout during this, you know, time chunk where you're out there getting sun. You can also, you know, lay out naked in your yard like I do and, you know, go and get your work done. You know, whatever you have to do on, you know, answer emails on your phone. I'll get back to patients on WhatsApp. I'll, you know, put, you know, put some, do some writing. I'll do some reading. I'll do some journaling. Uh, You could stretch. There's so many things you could do with this time chunk. So you're not just like laying out in the sun, twiddling your thumbs. You know, you could do other shit and you feel fantastic in the process. So that's a big one for testosterone and just health in general. Um, And then I could keep going down the list. Again, this is the type of thing where there's a lot of different parts, a lot of different strategies to optimize. But if I were to distill it to like the top, top, I'll say top four, it'd be sleep, sun, exercise, and targeted supplementation. If you really Mm -hmm. want to ramp up testosterone, those would be like top of the four. If I were to put a fifth one, stress management is really helpful. If you're chronically stressed, not good for testosterone because testosterone can work antagonistically to cortisol. So if your cortisol rhythm's all jacked up and you're super stressed all the time, good luck boosting that testosterone. But some of the testosterone supporting herbs I utilize in my practice are adaptogens. So they help your body to adapt and cope with some of the stress. So things like red ginseng and ashwagandha and uh, other you know herbs that could be really helpful for this um, that by way of modulating your body's stress response or by way of helping to support testosterone. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. You know, guys, 
please, you know, follow this. But if you need a health coach, you know, to guide you through those 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 recommendations and making sure that you're not buying a, a DHEA on Amazon and you're over overdosing yourself so, or yeah, melatonin right. on Amazon. So just ask for an expert to guide you through that journey. Yeah. So we spoke about, we talked about men, women. How about how about children, right? How about kids? Uh, you know, I've seen like a huge prevalence of, you know, spectrum, right? ADHD or, or so how do you, is it nutrition that I would just want to, you know, ask for your insight on that. Do you think it's a nutrition? Do you think it's a behavior? What, what's, your, what's your intake on that? Yeah, this is a great point to bring up, Claude. And I think the massive increase in, you know, some of these behavioral disorders in kids, whether it be autism, AD, ADD, ADHD, you know, having some learning disabilities, this is becoming very common in our society. And I don't think it's any one thing. A lot of people will try and point at this point at that. I think it's really a combination of these things. I think it's poor nutrition. I think it's environment is very important. And when you're pregnant uh, or nursing and you're exposed to heavy metals and glyphosate that's sprayed on the food and, you know, fluoride and chlorine in the drinking water and all these different contaminants that are in our world. I mean, there's over a hundred thousand synthetic chemicals that are in, you know, produced on the planet now that weren't here a few thousand years ago. And so I think that the increase in our body burden is also a big cause of some of these challenges that kids are having. And then you also factor in lifestyle, you know, many kids are playing video games and, you know, staying inside all day. They're not doing all the things that I'm talking about. So if they can get outside, play with their friends, get after it with some sports and running and jumping and playing tag and soaking up, you know, the things I did when I was a kid, like, dude, that's way better for you than being inside playing Xbox and on social media 24 um, seven. And then nutrition is a big one. And nutrition with kids is hard because kids are stubborn and they don't understand these benefits. They're not thinking like you, Claude, no kid out there is like, I'm going to eat well, cause I'm going to live to 120 years old. They don't give two shits about longevity, man. They're just thinking about today in this moment. Right? So what I encourage parents, I work with a lot of parents on helping their kids, you know, improve their health as well. And when it comes to nutrition, you don't tell your kid what to eat. You give them options. So first, first note, you got to be careful because you don't want to develop any eating disorders or unhealthy association with food with your kids. Cause that's, you know, a big problem in itself, especially with, with girls, but also any kids. Hmm. The second thing is you want to give them options. You don't want to say, Hey, little Johnny, we're having this for dinner instead of your, you know, chicken nuggets you're used to. He's not, Johnny's not going to be happy. Johnny's going to be like, no, 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 dude. I don't want that shit. So what you got to do is you got to say, yo, Johnny, I made these different options. I got three different options. I want to hear what you think, dude. I want to hear like, which one do you like most? And give me some feedback. And then they're like, oh, this is like a game. Like I'm down. Like I'll try these ones and, you know, make it taste good too. Like that helps, you know, if it doesn't taste lousy, but by giving them options, it's an easier way to transition them away from what they're already eating. And for any young parent, I, I don't have kids yet. I just got engaged. I'm planning on having lots of babies. I think it's Rats. awesome to have kids. Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, but it's a lot easier to start when they're young because then they don't even get exposed to like, you know, the McDonald's and the Happy Meals and the fast food and all the other crap. Uh, but once they're kind of used to just eating what they eat and they, they're like, I want the, you know, Hot Pockets and all the processed frozen microwave stuff. It's a hard transition to make, but by giving them options and by kind of easing them into it and also maybe encouraging them by motivating what they're interested in. So if you have like a teenage boy who's like, you know, 13, 14 years old, be like, dude, you know, a great way to get chicks 
is to eat well and look good and have a good energy, you know? And if you have little kids that may not be interested in that, but they play sports, you know, Hey, Hey, you know, son, Hey daughter, if you want to score more goals and have more energy and, and feel better on the field, like what you put into your body matters and educating them about this stuff in a way that they can associate it with. Cause like I said, Claude, they don't care about longevity at this stage. So you got to really find things that they're interested in and that they like, and that they want to get better at and hmm. build an association of how eating better and living better is going to impact those things that they're interested in. Perfect, man. That was great. Yeah. That's why we have this, you know, having you here just to bring knowledge, educations. And, and so this to me, it's one of the great episodes because we are really, truly, truly trying to invest in our health and making sure that we can, we can perform in a high level. Uh, so, you know, I want to say thank you, Ryan, for, for this time and, you know, all those all those goals that you you have dropped on us so yeah yeah this has been great one uh one last question before we close out uh we're always interested in where you're going to learn and like what what you think the cutting edge is so are there any resources that uh well are there any resources that you consistently go back to to learn new things about or or just learn new ideas or or things about health that you think our audience uh, could also learn from could be a podcast, a book, a YouTube channel. And I'm, I'm curious to hear where kind of your attention goes to incorporate new things into your own practice. Yeah. First thing I'll share is most people don't need more information. They need to take action hmm. on what they already know. Like most people, Jeff, they realize like, I shouldn't stay up late and watch TV. I shouldn't eat this fast food. I shouldn't, you know, skip my workouts. They know what to do. Like, it's not an information problem. It's an application problem. So what I encourage people is rather than studying more information about health and finding more minutia and more details that aren't going to be as important as just nailing the fundamentals is absorb information that motivates you, inspires you to take action, things that help you form new habits. This could be mindset content. I really like, you know, James Clear's books on habit formation. I really like if you're looking for good mindset stuff, Andy Frisella has a podcast called Real AF. It's not, you know, to the kindest of, of ways of saying it, but it, it'll get a fire lit under your ass and get you going. Ed Milet's great for this. Uh, there's a lot of people I listen to that I think would be better to focus on when it comes to just adopting the right mindset to take action. You know, I like Tom Bill use impact theory. I listen to a lot of these podcasts and read a lot of these personal development books. And I think that's a better place for people to focus. But on that, I will still answer your question on the topic of health and what I study uh, is much more in depth and complex. And so for your healthcare people out there, they might dig it for your average person, not appropriate. I would steer them towards my content that distills it in a more practical way. But for those people, I like uh, Peter Atia. Dr. Peter Atia is a great longevity expert. He has a podcast called The Drive that I really enjoy. Uh, Huberman Lab is great. That's another one that's really long form. It could be a little boring for people that aren't super into this stuff and pretty complex for some, uh, but it's somewhere I go to learn and find really a lot of value and good information. Um, and then there's a bunch of others that I'd have to pull up on my podcast app to give you like, you know, a better answer because I'm, I'm blanking on them. Uh, but I honestly, you know, there's a point of diminishing returns when it comes to learning about health to where it's like, you just got to take action and, and implement this stuff. So I'm more yeah. interested in studying human psychology. I'm more interested in understanding, you know, I would say the premise of my life's work is figuring out how to bridge this gap between people knowing what to do and actually doing it. 
that's the that's the money. That's the key. That's where people need to focus. It's not like I want to learn more about what supplements and what to take and what to do and biohacks and complex shit. No, no, no. You need to learn how to just apply the fundamentals to your life and lay that foundation. And so that's what I study is like how people think, habit formation techniques, how I can help my patients to do just that in a way that's sustainable and effective for their lives, because that's that's what's going to make a big dent in the universe. That's what's going to change the paradigm of health and wellness in our society is not like more biohacks and supplements. It's like, let's figure out how to get people to bridge that gap between knowing it and doing it. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think that, uh, I think that answer about taking action, that's like, that's, that's perfect. That's really what need people. If you're curious about health or how to optimize your health, you just need to start taking action. So mindset, I think is like, I think it's the perfect answer to that question. And I a hundred percent agree. Can you plug your, or I just want to give you a chance to plug your website, your programs. I know you've, I was on your, I've been on your YouTube channel a lot lately and it's Frankly, it's very impressive. So I want to give you an opportunity to just uh, mention those those websites or those channels where people can go to connect with you and learn more about you. I appreciate it, Jeff. Yeah, uh, I'd say my big focus this year is my podcast. I have a show, uh, just Ryan Kennedy show, and I bring on different health experts, different people in the personal development mindset space, all sorts of different topics, just shit I'm interested in learning about. I'm like, dude, you're really nailing it. You're an expert in this arena. Let's go jam for an hour and record it. And and so I've been getting good feedback and I like podcasts because you could talk more openly and long form uh, compared to, you know, social media that, you know, can yeah. be censored and doesn't allow all the natural health topics I like to talk about. It's not, you know, exactly in line with their agenda. And so yeah. that's the number one place. You, I post every episode in the video version on YouTube, which is just Ryan Kennedy Health. Uh, and then ryankennedyhealth.com is my website where you can find, you know, all these links. If you want to work together, become a patient you know, learn more about all that sort of stuff, that would be the best place to go. And then I probably most active uh, social media wise on Instagram, which is just uh, at Ryan C. Kennedy. Cool. We will make sure that we link to all of those, uh, those channels in the show notes for you. Ryan, I, Claude, I feel like we, I feel like we just got a free masterclass. This was incredible. Thanks for joining us today. This conversation was incredible. We're going to make sure everybody goes to your YouTube page and your website and, and follows you, follows you and, and your own journey. So thanks again, man. This was awesome. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note, the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.